0: All right, we welcome in Dr. Kimberly Earle, who's doing the whole solo thing. It's all over to you today,
1: love. It's G'day. all up to me, so I have to have lots of phone calls so I don't have to talk too much. <laughs> or, I mean, I still have to talk, but I don't have to... Think of things to talk about. Well,
0: that's a that's a fair <laughs> point. So four nine two one six two one six is the number you can you've got Kimberly all to yourself today uh, if you have a pet question. And of course, being that there was a bit of an event that's kind of imported from your part of the world, <laughs> um, yes. we might sort of talk about some of the issues in and around. Uh, chocolates and lollies
1: yeah yeah i'm sure there's going to be plenty of halloween loot hanging around houses for the next week or so
0: yeah you keep (laughs) them away from the animals you give them all to me (laughs) pet chat kimberly we've we've got something from uh, victoria uh she rang from wayworth a couple of minutes ago couldn't stay on the phone but you may very well be able to get to her uh the heart of the matter here 11 year old dog very distressed whenever he's in the car Um, How do we go about uh, sorting that out?
1: Yeah, so that can be a real challenge because we know that anxiety in dogs and in pets in particular gets worse as they get older. So it's possible that this dog may not have had any issues um, as a younger dog, but now as we're getting older, um, you know, the things that that are – Uh, have triggered this emotion is is getting worse and worse and worse. Um, So I guess the the things that I would say is first of all, we need to make sure that the dog is not in pain when it's in the car. Old dogs often have arthritis and it can be really uncomfortable for them to ride in the car. Um, And so... We want to make sure that the dog is is comfortable in a place it's not going to slip, that it's um, getting assistance to get in and out of the car if it needs it. That's the first place to start. Um, Desensitization, even in an old dog, can be really, really beneficial. So if this dog is associating maybe the motion of the car with something that's uh, making it worried, sometimes just getting them in the car, sitting there with them for 10, 15, 20 minutes until the dog's heart rate, respiratory rate, goes down, you just sit without the car being turned on, sit there, have a nice, positive, you know, a nice little padding session, give it some treats, that sort of thing. Get it out of the car before, you know, once it's calm, get it back out um, before you take it anywhere and work on that. It's always a process that takes sort of time. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to get that just out of one session. But if you do that, you know, three or four times a week for 10 minutes, um, 10 to 20 minutes, depending on how long it takes the dog to calm down then it might start to improve and where it starts to go, okay, actually, this wasn't so bad. It doesn't hurt me, you know, because um, some dogs as you're going around a corner, they have to brace themselves and that might put um, some pressure through um, an arthritic shoulder or an arthritic uh, elbow. So yeah, that's where I would start. Um, and always, you know, I'd always recommend with an old dog, get them into your vet and have a um, have a checkup and make sure that we know what's the potential source of, of pain and discomfort because that could be um, going on. We also have some short term anti-anxiety meds that can be really, Really helpful for dogs, um, you know, when they're needing to be transported. If it's, you know, going to a boarding kennel or going to a groomer, that sort of thing. So,
0: and all of that comes into play, Kimberly, as well, because. As it is, as it stands, the dogs obviously associates riding in the car with some bad experiences yep. or bad feelings, whatever. So you've got to try and, in a way, unlearn that, and you've now got to associate the car door opening with yeah. good things.
1: That's right. That's right. And so, if you look at my own dog as an example, she was really, really carsick as a young dog. She's two and a half now, and she doesn't get carsick very often. Um, but she's only really just in the last four months probably started um, to look forward to a car ride, or at least I can, I can. Open the back of the car. She will, instead of cowering when the back door opens, she used to just like drop onto her all four on the grass as soon as she saw that open. There's no way you're getting me in get, there. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to lift her in. So now I can open the back of the car and she'll jump into the car um, because she knows we're going to go to the dog beach or the dog park most of the time. And so she's looking forward to it. But it's taken a really long time to get her to that point. So it's not a quick fix, I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> it's a process, Victoria. Best of luck with it. Hopefully, we can hear uh, down the road from you. No pun. That it's uh, worked out. Okay. Good day, Kathy. From Adawi. you have a question in and around desexing dogs today. What's the story, Kathy?
2: Yeah. Oh well. Look, I just I uh, had my my two young pups done on Monday, mm-hmm. and I noticed that there seems well when I've had a male I haven't had a male done for a long time, but when I did, um, they had stitches on the scrotum. Mm-hmm. Right. I just and I assume that that's the way these guys would have been done, but they've made an incision halfway up in front the shaft yes if I can. yeah yeah is that yeah. is it a different procedure how did they extract the the uh the testicle
1: yeah so um actually the the standard for a long time since i've graduated really has been to oh, do right. what we call yep. a, a pre-scrotal um castration so um those testicles in the scrotum are actually really mobile um and because the skin of the scrotum is much more sensitive we often try to avoid doing too much with the scrotum itself <laughs> as okay. mark's laughing mm. at me here. Um, it's not la- yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to make your rice
0: watermark. No. Look, I've got to say, I, I've, I I can handle all the conversations here, even the ones that we get complaints about because it's lunchtime. But um, it's like yeah. the, the this is not a good feeling. None of this is so, good. So
1: yeah, so the actual um, testes are actually um, pushed forward up underneath the skin. There, a nice little incision is made, and they're just they're nice and mobile. We can pop them out there, and it just means that we're doing less clipping and prepping around the the more delicate areas because dogs tend to get a lot more clipper rash and and post. Um, irritation if it's um, down around the scrotum. Now if you have a dog who's desexed at an older age um, you know instead of having that saggy baggy empty Skin oh, great. there. This is just we'll sometimes do a procedure called a scrotal ablation, where we take that uh, take that scrotal skin away and we sew up the thing. Mm. Um, or there will be cases where um, where it's not appropriate to do a, a, a really um, pre scrotal incision um, if they've got any lumps on the skin, those sorts of things. But mm. yeah, that would be the typical um, the typical location for us to do it. So
2: their the scrotum still there? It'll just yeah. shrink away, won't it? Yeah,
1: if they're young dogs, it'll shrink away in another you yeah. know four months. You won't even know it. They'll just be a little flat. Little flat spits yeah. there. But when you have a really a mature dog, you tend to end up with this long term little saggy um, saggy turkey wattles sort of thing that hangs there between their legs. So we often take that away. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
2: No, it was just it just struck me as being. I thought, Well yeah. would it be done that way? And I thought, no, I'll call. And, and um, I actually rang the vet back, but she yeah. was away, and yeah. she it's she a great question, it was going to call me back. But it hasn't yet. I so think I as I'll vets,
1: yeah, I think as vets, we just take for granted that um, people sort of know what we're doing. We do it every day. We don't sort of think think about it twice. But um, mm, you know, yeah. as somebody who's not used to seeing it, it would probably be unusual. And and I don't really think very often to explain to my clients when um, you know when I'm saying, okay, we're gonna bring them in today for a desexing i don't really sort of think about that sort of aspect of it but yeah it's a great question thanks for calling in no that's all
2: right now i've seen a lot of it uh, on the uh yorkshire vet and they always seem to go through the testicle oh do uh, they
1: okay that's yeah. interesting yeah but hmm. see,
2: that's uh, that's in the uk and what they might not yeah. uh, you know come up with this, this is obviously uh, do you think it's more invasive to do it this way
1: no, I don't actually. Okay. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all very. It, t- to be quite honest, it's still sort of just sitting underneath the skin, um, mm. and the surgical site heals better, I think, if we okay. do it pre scrotally yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Who knows? Maybe a different climate <laughs> affects all the bits differently. Really, <laughs> thanks, Kathy. Yeah. Who would have thought? It was straight into a dog ball removal. That's, oh, well. that's what we're doing today. <laughs> it's,
1: that's the bread and butter work of the sorts of practices <laughs> that I'm in. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, uh, and you end up with the saggy skin, as you said. Who knows where we'll end up next, Kimberly. We've we've done done dog <laughs> ball removal. That's the uh, yeah, DBR, that's the new name for it. Yeah. See if you can start that up around the search. DBR. Or... <laughs> sure. Yeah, in the meanwhile, good day, mm. uh, uh Jeff from Rutherford. Your bunny rabbit is a little bit noisy and you hoping we can find some solutions for her, at least Kimberly, and good afternoon.
2: Yeah, there's any um cure to uh, quieten her down, she's quite rowdy of annoying. <laughs>
1: Um, that's a tricky one So what is it The noise of her running around In the in the hutch Or the pen Things like that That you're listening to
2: She seems to be Sort of like Scooping up things And yeah. throwing things And tossing things And tossing, tossing things, things around.
1: around Yeah And is this, a, this is a, a House rabbit obviously She's in the house Where you can hear her Yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah. she's only tiny. She's only about
1: 11 weeks old. Oh, okay, so she's just a young thing, yeah. So, I mean, hopefully as she gets a bit older, I mean, obviously rabbits by nature are um, sort of somewhat nocturnal. They're not strictly nocturnal, but they certainly do, you know, tend to have their periods of highest activity in the evenings um, and through the um, early parts of the night and then also again early in the morning. Um, But as a a young rabbit, hopefully as she gets more settled into the house and hopefully... um, during the day has time to interact with the family things like that then hopefully she will sort of settle into being sort of quieter um through the night um yeah, i would she seems try to
2: make it during the day too but yep. she's not as bad as during the day as, as during, she's the... during the night
1: yeah. So, you know, I mean, making sure that we're spending some time with her, getting her out and trying to, um, you know, really interact. You can um, give her, you know, jobs to do. Foraging um, for food for rabbits is, is a great thing to do as well. You know, people will put their um, hay through toilet paper rolls, um, string up little, um, almost like a little clothesline. And you can hang the toilet paper rolls with the hay, you know, just above the, the nose level um, once you get a really talented bunny who's who's used to doing that you can make it so they have to sort of stand up on their back legs so keeping them really engaged both mentally and physically through the day uh will hopefully help so that she's a little bit sort of quieter through the night but i do hope for you that it'll settle down a little bit um making sure i guess you know you you might want to have a look and see what kind of uh toys or implements it is that that are the noisy things um and, you know, you might choose to take some of them out at night if she's got a bowl that she's throwing around or a, a toy in particular that she's, um, you know, having a, having a crack at. Um, you can always take those out of an evening and, you know, just make them the, those items, things that are there sort of during the day. Um, so as long as she's got some water and some hay available through the night, she doesn't potentially need a bowl of um, food, you know, of pellets, anything like that in, in there with her at night. And you could take that out and that might sort of settle her down. Making sure that there's um, a, a nice deep amount of bedding so that her nails aren't scratching on the floor, whatever the flooring is. So she's got nice deep bedding and also making sure that her nails are well trimmed up.
2: Yeah, just one little food question. Yeah. Is she allowed to eat any parsnip or turnip?
1: Uh, yeah in small quantities so sort of hard root vegetables they can have in small quantities so as an 11 week old bunny we're probably talking about like a teaspoon's worth per day um, the um, the leafy parts of those I think I can't actually picture what parsnip leaves looks like but I mean they look like carrots so I'm, presumably they look like carrots on the top side as well um, then you know the leafy green bits are, are probably better for them but small amounts of, of the actual root is fine um, as long as we're sort of focusing on, yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, so the, the green I'm bits i good for of that. something. I've got yeah. the picture up for you. Yeah, small <laughs> amounts of root vegetables. If we give too much root mm-hmm. vegetables, they can get a bit um, sort of gassy and bloaty. So we don't want to do too much of that. Okay, so thank leafy you very greens, much. Good time. yeah, yeah. You're very welcome. Good luck with her.
0: Thank you so much, Jeff. Four nine two one six two one six. That's the number to call uh, to get in contact with Dr. Kimberly Earl today as part of Pet Chat. Look, we, we we mentioned earlier that it's that time of the year that this Halloween thing. Now we've it's kind of been imported, really.
1: Yep. Um, well, to, <laughs> from overseas uh, right.
0: from the US or from Ireland via the US I suppose yeah, technically yeah. Um, you're from Canada or Canada or yep. is it a huge thing Canada. up there
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty big um, it'll be Halloween night with um, tonight um, and mum and dad probably have a few big balls of uh, lollies out and I mean when I was growing up as kids you know it wasn't anything to have a couple hundred kids come through with their it's costumes crazy. and stuff like that so and, in the mid-
0: and, and almost winter too I yeah
1: mean... winter time yeah it'll be snowy and we always say that the snow always flies by halloween so um so you know i guess safety things we've already had halloween last night but i know from past experience for myself that um there's lots of kids that will be hoarding and hiding (laughs) lollies and things like that in their homes and in their bedrooms for the next um, week or two or more um and so we just want to make sure that we're keeping our pets safe from those so chocolates in particular i'm sure everybody's aware um you know easter's a big danger time christmas is a big danger time but also halloween um and there are also lots of other Halloween lollies. So if I'm thinking about what I've seen in the stores recently, um, you know, some of those gummies types of lollies, mm-hmm. things like that. Some of them can be quite dangerous for um, pets as well, just because um, they can, some of them are, are non-sugar sweetened or they'll have xylitol in them. And so dogs um, can be poisoned by xylitol. Um, it can cause liver disease and um, hypoglycemia, so where they can go into hypoglycemic seizures. Um chocolate obviously is a bad one, Um, you know, chip packets and things like that, if they break into that, just the high fat content for a dog who's not used to that, that might um, spur on a bit of gastro or even pancreatitis, which can be a little bit more serious. So yeah, we just want to be really mindful about where, um, where the lollies are, where they're being hidden and um, kept. Um, And even the packaging, you know, we get some dogs that will ingest the packaging, they want to lick out the salty stuff from the inside of the packaging. And while for, you know, an average Labrador, um, you know, a chip packet will probably go through a Labrador without too much difficulty, but it may not go through a Cavalier um, or a Little Fox Terrier as easily. So um, just being really mindful of, of what's laying around the house in the next week or so.
0: Yeah, particularly like you said, with all the packaging and chip packets and cellophane, yeah. whatever it happens to be. Yep. So keep the away from the animals and <laughs> maybe away from us a little bit too.
1: <laughs> a little bit from us as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kimberly, let's let's get back in. what calls galore, so that's great. Time for me to shut up and you to get into it, <laughs> I guess. That <laughs> sounds good. Good afternoon, hey, hey, he's up, he's up. G'day, Sharon at Cardiff. Um, your five-month-old German Shepherd is a little bit wobbly. What's that? What's the story, Sharon? The
1: back legs, back legs. So when she's pushing himself, he or she's pushing himself up. You are noticing is weak, well, or yeah, no? It's weak. That when she
2: starts walking, then the. Both cross around, but both back legs cross around.
1: Yeah. Okay. And do you notice? Well, not, it, it could be, but it may not be. So German Shepherds obviously are a breed that is really prone to hip dysplasia. Um, there's good work being done to try to breed that out of them, but it is a challenging condition because it's not just just genet- genetic, you know. So it, it takes a long time to improve the breed. Um, sometimes, you know, five-month-old dogs are often at a stage of growth where they're really lean and lanky anyway, and German Shepherds are particularly lean and lanky. I <laughs> mean, she's told-
2: and language.
1: Yeah, so um, sometimes it's just a matter of the fact that the long bones are growing really fast and the muscle development hasn't caught up um, oh. but I would think that it would be worthwhile getting her checked out by your veterinarian and, and checking what yeah, well, her hips are month like.
2: Month, the, vet, um, the vet said no problems you know, no, that no, right. everything should be good.
1: Yeah, okay so they've checked her for sort not of clicky hips month, and sorry, things. The month before. Yeah, okay but, so...
2: Every time she stands up now, mm-hmm. but the back legs are longer than the front legs. And
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, and they have. Is she is she one of the German shepherds that sort of really dropped down in the hips, or is she quite stand like does she stand quite upright? Upright. Uh, Upright, good, that's excellent, good um, Yeah, I mean, I guess I would I would watch it, monitor it Work on, um, you know, sort of regular exercise That's going to help her to build oh, some no, muscle
2: I've got quite a of an acre And she does zoomies, we call them zoomies Yep, great I've but, done some with, um, oh, um, not autism ADHD and that He runs around the back. Yeah. She runs around and with him, yeah.
1: So I mean, as she's growing and developing, you know, I guess hopefully some of the muscles will um, will strengthen up and she'll develop a little bit more muscle mass. Um but you know, if you're worried or if she seems uncomfortable, um, then quite often with hip dysplasia, sometimes the only ways to to diagnose it is to actually have an x-ray done to sort of see where the the ball of the ball and socket joint is sitting. Is it actually sitting nicely in a well-formed socket? Um a lot of the dogs with hip dysplasia that socket doesn't form very well so instead of having a nice cup there you have just this little sort of a half moon sort of indent and the hips can be really loose and wobbly in that and you may not notice it on a clinical exam it might need to be done via x-rays but if she's comfortable push through give her a little bit more time um regular moderate exercise but not really high high you know she's probably not the dog to be chasing after balls if you can avoid it till she's a bit older
0: Thank you so much, Sharon. Good afternoon to Julie at Madawi. Julie, we're getting you down into the uh, into the grooming side of things today. What's happening there, Julie?
2: <laughs> um, yes, I have a long-haired uh, straight retriever, mm-hmm. a collie, and uh, it seems like his nails are separating the nail from the quick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been um, uh, trimmed, the nails have been trimmed, yep. but um, and he's, constantly licking them now and he's very um, sensitive if you try and sort of look at it. and um, So yeah, it's
1: so. more than one nail on one foot yeah, or is it yeah. so it's all of them? Uh, from what we can see um, it's,
2: you know, it's a few, okay, it's at least yeah. two on each foot so I'm not sure whether it it's part of a diet. Is he lacking something? Um, he is quite active, but if you take him for a long walk, he tends to get very sore-footed um, yeah, you okay. know, after a long walk.
1: there mm. There is a condition, I'm just struggling to remember the name, it's an immune-mediated condition where they can um, have some separation of the... It, it's sort of related to... Um, Pemphigus and and some of those autoimmune sort of conditions and in dogs um, it can cause the the lifting and separation of the nails off of the quick um, mm. and although it's not strictly speaking nutritional we do tend to supplement these dogs with so they often do courses of antibiotics and then we do supplement them um, with niacinamide which is a, a B vitamin um, and a few other um, a few other things it's a bit of a longish process um, mm. I'm just trying to see my brain, my intelligent brain for the the oncodystrophy, something or other. Uh, lupus onchodystrophy, I think, is what it is. Um, So it might be worthwhile, particularly if he's tender, it might be worthwhile um, a trip back up to your local vet to have them, you know, have a bit of a look at it. Um, Uh I know it's a little bit gruesome, but we actually often have to anesthetize the dogs and remove those separating nails um, because as they're sort of, it's it's like having a hangnail, as they're sort of of half-lifted, they can be really, really uncomfortable. Uh Um, And so we will often anesthetize these dogs and actually... Um, remove the the nails, um, anything that's lifted off, and uh, or partially lifting off, um, and then disin you know not disinfect, but you know put some some disinfectant and some creams and stuff on the feet, and get them started on some um, yeah niacinamide, and I'm sure there's a vitamin E as well, and some doxycycline and things like that. And we often treat them for, I don't know, eight to ten weeks from memory. It's been a few years since I've seen one of these cases. Mm. I'd have to go and look it up, the, the mm. current treatment protocol. But it's definitely worthwhile checking with your vet about it.
0: Thanks so much, Julie. Best of luck with everything there. A pet mm-hmm. chat on 2NURFM 103.7. G'day, Mark from Cardiff. Your border collie, two-year-old, hasn't eaten for a few days. You're a bit worried, Mark. Yes,
2: indeed, yes. Good yes. stuff.
1: So is your is your border collie a dog who will skip a meal from time to time or is this really unusual behavior?
0: Yeah, really unusual behavior. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and have you had any vomiting, any diarrhea? Yes, yeah.
0: yes, yeah, a lot
1: of that. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so three days is is a good long time. I would say we really want to try to get your dog seen by a vet today if possible. Um, the sorts of things, it might just be gastro, so we might you know, just have a really upset tummy and the dog might be feeling nauseous. Um, but in a two-year-old dog, we are always, always, always worried about what kind of object have they eaten that they shouldn't have eaten. Even if they don't have a history of chewing on unusual things, um, it is not uncommon for these guys to you know for us to find that they've eaten half a toy or they've eaten um, part of a you know rubber ball or a sock or something like that Um, and they've got an intestinal foreign body uh, and we really want to try to identify that and get to that uh, before we lose you know the integrity of the bowel before the intestines um, start to, to die off and we have to do major sort of resections type surgery so if you can at all Call around, see if you can get into your local vet or, or a local vet. Um, if nothing else, they'll be able to um, give you some reassurance, hopefully, that it's not that serious. But if it is, at least we're, we're getting on to it today. Um, and there'll be lots of things that can make the dog feel better. Sorry, what was that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he had a lamb shank about three days ago
1: and it's happened since then. Yeah, okay, yeah. Definitely worthwhile. We might have some, some bone in there or or something going on. Definitely worthwhile trying to get in to see someone in the next, um, you know, sort of 12 to 24 hours.
0: All right, best of luck with everything there, Mark. 49216216, uh, if you have a question for, I keep wanting to say the team, but
1: it's just, <laughs> with for Dr. Kimberly Earl, team. she's here for there's the next... There's no season. I in team, Mark. No,
0: there's just a Dr. Kimberly <laughs> Earl. That's all that's in team today. Call lots of different calls.
1: I I love having phone calls because it's great mm-hmm. to, um you know, hear what people are thinking about and, you know, um, like the, the caller who wasn't sure about what we're doing with the desexing things. It's just stuff that I don't think about. DBR. You know? That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, DBR. Uh, uh, I don't think about talking to that, hmm. you know, to my clients about what. Procedure, we what we're actually physically doing to their pet, so I should do that more often. Dvr,
0: dog ball removal. That's what it
1: is.
0: (laughs) All right. um, At the other end of that, let's get into our dog and cat of the week. So it's all black and white today. So
1: very cute, black and white. Yeah. Let's Mm. kick off
0: with uh, Zuma. Now, uh, if you would love a new little dog in uh, your family, eight-week-old border collie. And as you can imagine, Kimley, these kind dogs, they're just full of life, full of zest. Yeah. And you need that 50-foot high fence.
1: Really high-energy dog. So we've got – it looks like there's a litter of, um, of uh, border collars going. Mm-hmm. But Zuma is the one who's on show for us today. He's eight weeks old. He's a little boy. Um Listen, I think, you know, these dogs have been well socialized. They're um, they're in a family sort of situation. Um, they're medium dogs as they grow up. But I think we need to be really careful about who's thinking about adopting Border Collies. So they're really popular because of their size. Um, they're not a little yappy thing, but they're not a really big dog either. Um, but we really need to remember where they've come from. These are herding dogs. They're working dogs. So if you are a couch potato family... Or alternatively, if you're a family who's really busy running kids around to various different sports and you're not going to have time to really engage and exercise these dogs, they need um, a high, high, high amount of physical activity. They also need a lot. They're such intelligent dogs. They need a lot of mental stimulation as well. If you are a runner, this might be a fantastic dog for you once it's an great adult. Idea. Yeah. Um, but if you're, you know, the kind of person who really is just looking for a dog who's who's likely to make it out for a short walk, um, you know, every few days or on the weekends, uh, Border call is probably not a great option for you. And so. don't
0: get me wrong, I mean, a cuter dog you will not, a cuter breed of dog you won't find. Yeah,
1: they're they're lovely dogs. They're yeah.
0: in, and like you said, they're in the middle. They're not the little. Paris Hilton handbag dog, the little yappers, and they're not the bull in the china shop breeds yeah. either. Yeah, but, but we need
1: to be really realistic about whether or not we can um, fulfil the dog's needs in terms of mental and physical stimulation. So
0: And super quick, we've got a, a black and white cat, Tiggy, a domestic short hair cat, affectionate, loves the head rub, will sit yeah. on your lap. So it's basically a, a, a people person cat. Yes,
1: yeah, so this is a nice um, female cat. She has just weaned off a litter of four kittens. Um, so she's a little bit older, well, 14 months, so she's nice and young still, but a little bit not like kitten kittenish. Um, and it looks like she enjoys human company. Um, I'm sure she will come to you um, desexed. She's probably desexed already now that the kittens are gone. Um, it sounds like she is great with other cats and children, and they feel she might be okay with a small dog friend as well, or a dog friend as well. So, um, you know, she looks like a, a good all-rounder sort of cat, if you like, a nice black and white cat.
0: Yep. Check those out at the uh, Pet Chat page at 2nurfm.com.au. Kimbley, thanks for today. Thank we'll you. will get out into the big, wild world. We'll catch you next time.
1: Sounds good. We'll see you then.
0: That's Dr. Kimberly Earle as we wrap up Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.